Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Network, and we want to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts so that we can reach more people. Thank you so much. Welcome to the Fan Girls Podcast. I'm Lori. And I'm Julie, and we are so excited to dish and spill the tea with you today. Today we are talking about the incredible film Belfast. It is a semi-autobiographical film that chronicles the life of a Protestant working-class family at the start of the unrest that would eventually consume Northern Ireland, known as the Troubles, starring Katrina Balfe, Jamie Dornan, Syrian Hines, Judy Dench, Jude Hill, and Louis McCaskey. The story of Belfast is focused on an Irish working class family in the late 1960s that finds themselves in the crosshairs of what's known as the Troubles. The Troubles, which is also known as the Northern Ireland Conflict, was a conflict between the Irish Nationalists, which were the Catholics, and the Irish Unionists, which were the Protestants. Going into this movie, I didn't realize how much I didn't know about Irish history. And I say that as an Irish person. I'm like 90% plus Irish. Researching this, going into this movie, it was a very healthy eye-opener on how much I did not know about Irish history just in general, let alone the Irish conflict that lasted 30 plus years or defined as the Irish Civil War that started in the late 1960s and went into the late 90s. That was brand new information, which... It's probably cringeworthy for my mom's side of the family, uh, knowing that they're Irish Catholics. So a little embarrassing on my side, but here we are. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, Northern Ireland is part of the UK and the rest of Ireland is not as much pro-UK. It's this whole complex stems from early religious views between the Catholics and the Protestants in the UK. And it's just stemmed into more political problems from there on, which, to be honest, it just sounds like white, petty, first world problems. I looked at this and I was like, so your meat and potatoes can't sit with our meat and potatoes. (laughs) It was, you know, same bland food, just very controversial. And it's based on religious and or political views for whatever reason. How about you? What was your take? Well, I know that the Protestant Catholic conflict is deep seated and ongoing, even in, in England itself. You know, we see that between Scotland and England and it goes back to Catholics, Stuarts, like who should actually be on the throne, that whole thing. And who's a part of, who are you loyal to basically? So this is not a new conflict. This was just another episode of sectarian conflict between them. And I didn't realize, and this is pretty normal if you are not a citizen of that country and you're not, you know, taught that history in school, we're American, we're born in the eighties. Why would we really know about this? Especially if our parents aren't talking to us about it. Mm -hmm. I think I had heard some things, you know, there was, you know, a lot of bombings. There was a hotel that became like the most bombed hotel in history that was in Belfast. And between 1969 and 2001, over 1600 lives were lost due to 
political violence. And I don't know so much if I would call it petty. These were poor working class families. There was like a lot of unrest due to like lack of jobs and like having to travel over to England and, you know, a lot of issues like there was taxation that was almost unlivable, you know, and we see that in the movie a little bit, you know, it was hard times and it took a really long time for this to kind of be ironed out. I would like to do more research on how it ended or how they came to live more peacefully together, which I don't know about, which I plan to kind of look into in Belfast, the film, we are seeing the start of the troubles, which is really an interesting take, just like the, the first sparks of this situation. Kenneth Branagh wrote and directed this film and he has like a very extensive and very impressive career acting, directing his directorial canon alone is extremely impressive. If you are a human being that views movies at any point, you have either seen Kenneth Branagh in a movie or seen a film that was directed by him. He kind of started out and was known for in the beginning as doing Shakespeare adaptations. And then, then there's pop culture favorites like Thor, Cinderella, Artemis Fowl, and Murder on the Orient Express. He was in the movie Tenant, and he was also in Dunkirk. He was a, an officer in that film. So it's like you have seen him everywhere. He's been nominated for so many things, Oscars, BAFTAs, Golden Globes. I don't think he's won an Oscar. It didn't say that he's won. He's just, his work is just so extensive. And I'm like super happy to see Katrina Balfe in like one of his films because she just so incredibly talented. And to just see her working with Judy Dench and I'm like, that is just where she belongs. She just belongs with these incredible actors because she herself is one. I personally loved Kenneth Branagh as Gilderoy Lockhart. <laughs> I was, oh, right? I was today years old when I realized that was him. I did not know who that was. Sorry, I just I am learning this. This is brand new information right now. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh my gosh. To get back to what you were saying, having Katrina Balfe sign on to one of his projects with Judy Dench. Mm -hmm. I, when I saw that happen, I was like, sign me up. I'm in. Yeah. I don't care well, he, what it's yeah. about. <laughs> it could be a 007 spy spinoff for all I care. I'm in. <laughs> well, and then Jamie Dornan too, like, yeah, <laughs> whew, give me some more of that. And he tends to, Kenneth Branagh tends to cast like the same actors. He'll reuse actors. So I'm very excited about this because this is like the start of probably great working relationship with Katrina Balfe and Jamie Dornan. And I just want to keep seeing Katrina Balfe in more and more things because she is so timeless and so talented. I, I hate to say it, but I was like, I wasn't, didn't even think about the other Jamie when I start with this Jamie. <gasps> Those are fighting words. That's a good it point. Is, but oh. it shows her talent. It does. Her ability to capture you into this film. You're not thinking about anyone else because she is so present and just, she's just phenomenal. You're not thinking about it until like the credits go up. Oh yeah, she's an outlander with Sam Hewen <laughs> because she just embodies this this person and this right. character in this film. So it's a testament to her acting. So all you haters that like want to marry Sam Hewen, I'm sorry, but Katrina Balfe is incredible and she just blew my mind in this film. Here's the part of the show where we spill the tea. This is a spoiler alert. We've seen the film and we're talking about it. So if you have not seen Belfast, please go support this wonderful film and go to a theater near you and watch it immediately. All right, 
It's time. What do you got, Julie? I did think the story was interesting. I wanted to see more of their story in England after the fact, because the fears that Katrina Balfe's character had in starting over and they're not going to like us. They're going to think that we talk funny. They're not going to understand anything that we bring. They're just going to look at us totally different and not accept us. And my mindset was, wow, that's so narrow-minded. And I want to see their life in England and how this new opportunity that her husband is presenting for a better life blows like her fears out of the water. I understand the fear of leaving home. I really do. Uh, Especially when you have multiple generations of ancestors living in that homestead and that's all you've ever known. And getting out of your comfort zone is you know, not ideal when it puts the safety of your family in jeopardy to me, that would be your go-to of we're getting out of here. Oh, and you get paid more to leave and you're providing a bigger and better home for us and better opportunities for our kids. Yes, please. That sounds like a great idea. Where do I sign? Yeah. I mean, I think I, I loved this film. It was very beautiful and touching, but from the name of the film and the opening scene where we see this street, I knew we weren't leaving the street in this film. Okay. Like there's, it, it shows you this very small connected town. I think because of the history and what we know of Belfast and how it was one of the most dangerous cities, these very tight knit loving communities that would takes a, a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. I can understand the mother's buddy's mom's perspective. Everyone knows him. Everyone understands him. And like, even though it's different, like with William, because he's autistic, everyone at the school knows him. Everyone gets that he's has, you know, special needs. And it's like, you don't have to explain things when you go somewhere. And it's like to go outside of that, it can be really scary, I think. But at the same time, what you're saying is true. It's like, okay, clearly this is not safe. You know, and it took that scene at the end where it's like, she, you know, they're, they're standing like at this standoff on the street and like the bad guys got a hold of mm-hmm. um, the mom and buddy and the dad and the other son are like on the other side. And they're like, somebody's about to die here. Something's going to happen. And right. she realized like, okay, I'm sure you gathered this, but she was now pregnant with her third child. Yes. Yes. So she's like, all right. <laughs> okay. I hear you. But she was, I think she was a lot stubborn than I personally would have been. But again, it's like that kind of she's Irish and very like strong and just kind of just determined to, to hold on to that life. And, you know, I think she was a little stubborn and that, but I think she was very tough and she could withstand a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, when Jamie Dornan's character was describing the house, we don't have to pay anything. We have the option to buy. I'm like, chick, what are you doing? Get yeah. out of Belfast. But at the same time, it's like what you don't know, you don't know. So you're just thinking about every scary thing. But I, I liked how you see these two very different sides of the coin mm-hmm. and they're both valid, right? So somewhere new can have the negative thing things, but this place that, you know, has a lot of negative things. And it was interesting to see that marriage relationship and the conversations that went with that. Cause this was not a, they did not take this decision lightly. Right. It's not easy for them to go. So how about Jude Hill? Is he a freaking brilliant actor or what? He, yes, absolutely. I was very impressed. My attention span as a nine-year-old was not that for sure. So you have this super talented nine-year-old bringing his A game around Judy Dench, Katrina Balfe, you're cast by Kenneth Branagh. I was impressed. Yes, his portrayal of Buddy was so pure and authentic. There's probably a lot of the personality of Buddy that 
Jude brought to it because that's just kind of who he is and the way that he says things. Right. But he was like such a joy to watch on screen and the interactions with his family and like his sweet relationship with pop. And just like that classic sort of advice that your grandpa gives you like, well, if you don't write the numbers clearly on your math assignment, (laughs) your teacher's probably going to give you the benefit of the doubt. So it was just great. And I loved like the dad's advice. He's like, be good. And if you can't be good, be careful. (laughs) You know, that's great advice. Yeah. And it's just kind of like that just classic, like Irish family dynamic. They're very loving, but they're also like just so realistic and down to earth. Like, well, if you can't be good, be careful. It's probably the best fatherly advice I've ever heard in a movie. I was like, cool, just don't die and be dumb. That's typical fatherly advice. That was more like sweet and kind and genuine. And I was like, yes, Jamie Dornan, given all the great fatherly advice, I am here for it. It's really good advice. I mean, it's very practical. And and I love that they, this family just never tries to be anything that they're not. They don't try to be anything other than who they are. Right. And there's no pretenses. It's like, here we are. And you just get, you get to see from Buddy's perspective, what it is like to be in this family. And you love being in this family Mm -hmm. because they're so tight knit. And there's this sort of that kind of blessing of generational wisdom. You know, the parents don't live with them, but they live so close that like every day after school, pop is helping with math or granny is sitting there helping give advice on a girl and like Papa chimes in and just how much that enriches a child's life to have that generational investment into the family. I really got the feeling of like being a kid again, because you see, you see it from his level a lot, the shots from the film, the parents look tall, right? I mean, I know Mm -hmm. Katrina Balfe is tall, but you get that kind of perspective of what it's like to sit on the stairs and overhear your parents' conversation about money that they don't want you to hear. And, you know, you're learning about this neighborhood in Belfast through the eyes of the child and how, even though there's all these terrible, scary things going on because you're a kid and you tend to life can kind of feel like a fantasy and you kind of overlook those things when they're trying to run that idea by him. Remember on Christmas, the mom, oh, yeah. like, I don't want to leave. And they're like, but there would be a garden to play football. He's like, well, no one will know me there. And like, he's like, well, your street got blown up a couple of times and there's, you know, you keep getting, your dad keeps getting threatened by this other gangster. Who's basically do my bidding or your family's going to pay for it. Like he doesn't really understand what that means. You kind of only as a kid, see what's directly in front of you. And well, I won't get to sit by the girl that I like anymore. Well, your school might not be there in a month because it might get blown up. You know, it's like, you're not thinking about the consequences and that's, part of being a kid and then the matchbox car set on christmas yeah i was like my dad had one of those i vividly remember being told by my parents when we were moving i was nine Mm -hmm. and my dad had applied for jobs for almost a year and a half after he got his teaching credential and i had a very similar reaction to buddy but it wasn't because it wasn't a safe neighborhood it was we are going to provide a better life for you you will have your mm-hmm. own bedroom. You will have all these great things. Yeah. Sorry about your luck, kid. We're moving. <laughs> yeah. And I remember having a meltdown. And mm-hmm. I remember telling my parents, like, you're ruining my life and being yeah. super dramatic about it. And mm-hmm. my parents gave zero Fs and did not consider any of my thoughts because they knew hindsight 2020, they were providing a better life for, yeah, they for me and my sister. Picture. I do feel that I was like, come on, parents shed light. I mean, I realize your kid's having a meltdown, but make him understand (laughs) that you are providing a much 
happier, healthier, safer lifestyle. And I realized it was a different time, but I was expecting that, you know, perspective of the adults saying, okay, it's fine. Calm down. We're we're still going to move, but we won't break it to you. We'll find a better way to break it to you. Well, I think as a parent, like having to explain that to a kid, cause we definitely considered moving during quarantine mm-hmm. and you know, our now 17 year old at the time she was 16, we, you know, kind of brought the conversation to her and she's like, well, my friends and I, I'd want to finish high school here. And we didn't need to move at the time. We're still considering it, but we didn't necessarily need to, you know, I think for a younger child, you have to let them feel their feelings they're going to have big feelings. And I think Mm -hmm. parents, like we tend to be like, shh, quiet. Don't have those big feelings. It's like, it's fine. Just let them have the feelings. They can feel however they want. And I think in that moment as parents, like if they have like a big, huge reaction, you don't want them to have a meltdown and like push the conversation. Cause at that point, when a child is freaking out, they're no longer hearing you. So it's better to just kind of like, okay, let's just revisit this in a little bit. When they're calm, there's no point in talking about right now. You can't reason with a child when they're freaking out you know, they let him feel his feelings like, okay, this is not the time. This is not the way to say it. We'll, we'll try again. And they did. And they let him be a nine-year-old. They let him, mm-hmm. they comforted him and, you know, cause they do, they have big feelings. I mean, my youngest is eight and she has so many big feelings all the time. She feels things very largely. Right. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. I think with his brother, Will, like you don't see those conversations there because he's feeling the tension. He's like, they're asking me to run packages. And you see that conversation with his dad and he's like, Oh, and his dad's like, you're right. in telling me there's just a different conversation that happens with your teenager Mm -hmm. than with your younger child. And I really related to that because with Lena, I was like, yeah, you're right. You know, and we did kind of put off the idea of moving because we don't really need to at the moment and to have her like have to rebuild all those relationships right now in school. Nobody wants to come into their senior year in a new school, not knowing anyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, if it was a Belfast situation, obviously we'd be like, we're out of (laughs) here. You know, there's a lot more, I think, conversation that goes into it than with a nine-year-old. And I really liked that they showed that difference of the, the conversations, because as a teenager, you're understanding more of what's happening. You're feeling the weight of it. Mm-hmm. And they really did a good job of just showing how to talk to a teenager. Yeah. Just listen to them. Don't judge them, understand them. And then just, you know, work alongside them. And that's, he did that so beautifully in that scene, that father son scene. I just loved it. And it really did remind me of total different subject matter, but Lena and I, how we kind of will talk about things. I did see some negative reviews that said this movie felt like very patched together and disjointed. And I think that kind of shows a huge misunderstanding of the film because you are seeing this film through the eyes of a child. And it's kind of going through these two week intervals surrounding when Buddy's father would return home from work. And then, you know, there was like a three month jump at one point. But if you think about it as a nine-year-old, that would likely stick out to you when your dad would get back from work, right? After being gone for two weeks. Right. And you would remember your walk to school, your first crush, the arguments your parents would have, just like those ordinary happenings that make up a child's life. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. It was purposely fragmented in that way to show Buddy's perspective. And I got that right away. So I don't know what these other people are. These reviews are like, oh, like it's these doing that on purpose, people. Okay. Right. It was, it was meant to be filmed that way. It was, Mm -hmm. I 
Yep, I agree. And I hadn't read any negative reviews. I had zero perspective going into it. So mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, I'm going to figure out what this movie's about. Um, I just knew Katrina Balfe starred in it mm-hmm. and it revolved around the city of Belfast. And I was like, yeah. I'm going to learn stuff today. Hadn't read anything negative. I, actually, to play devil's advocate, I had heard her performance was amazing and Oscar worthy. Yes. And yes, she's going to get nominated. And if she doesn't help us all. Oh, yeah. So. I didn't read those until after because I was like doing research for the podcast and everything. Mm-hmm. After like the first paragraph, I'm like, you you people are idiots. You don't even know what you're talking about. Because never once did it occur to me that this was not on purpose the way that they were filming it. Right. And I was just always so blown away by all of the acting in the film and it was so touching and the humor was so perfectly timed and just genuine and sweet. And I'm like, are you trying to pick like the one thing in this film that you don't understand and then make that a problem when it was clearly intentional? So that wasn't until after and I'm, and I typically don't read reviews until after because I want my own take right. on it to be influenced or biased yeah. by anything. So when I was doing the research afterwards, I was like, you guys don't even understand. So everybody's getting nominated for all of the things in this film. I'm just saying it now. Mm-hmm. And didn't you love how, like when they would go to the movies or go to a play that that was in color because the whole film is yes. black and white, except for like the movie and then the play. I was like, that is so cool. And then the reflection of the play and granny's glasses, or was it the movie? I don't remember was also in color. I was like, okay, this is just film at its finest. You yeah. Know? And I think it's because it wasn't color color films starting to happen at that point in time. Oh yeah. It was 1969. So it was, you know, it had been a thing for a little bit and I loved the family's love of films and you get to see buddies or Kenneth Branagh, like where his love of movies began. Like Mm -hmm. he just was, he was talking about that with, I think his, his pop, like his love of film. And this is such a beautiful, like love letter to his family in the street that he was like born on. And at the end of the film, it says for those who stayed and for those who didn't. And it, it, it's just, I'm like, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's just a beautiful love letter. That's probably one of my fondest memories with my dad is just going to the movies with him mm-hmm. as a kid. Even when I was, I think I saw my first movie in the theater when I was three and my mom just needed time to herself. So she was like, <laughs> take the kid. I don't care if it's not well suited for kids her age, you're taking her. And from then on, we just always saw movies together in the theater. And that was just like our generational bonding that I happened love it. growing up. Yeah. And I've, I've seen it with my friends and their kids and it's, yeah, it's an accessible activity and it's just a magical experience to go mm-hmm. see a film on a big screen and like get your popcorn. And oh, so, yeah, and we finally, we got to see this movie together. We did. And we, Lena came too. It was fun. Like I love going to the movies. I love taking Lena to the movies and just really being I feel like you can be fully immersed in a movie when you're in the theater because it's dark, the screen is huge, and you're there for the sole purpose of viewing and experiencing a film. I feel like it just, for this movie, I'm so glad I didn't view it any other way at first yeah. because you really get the the impact that's trying to be made here, you know, showing this loving family. And, and I was surprised that like, I was not distracted at all by the black and white, you know, I mean, I have to say Katrina Balfe, she was a shining star in this film and her performance was incredibly touching and there was so much depth. And I really feel like she was born for this role. Mm-hmm. She's for sure going to get nominated. So the black and white aspect, you don't even, re- you're not even thinking about it. No, the picture is so clear and it's HD. 
You don't have Mm -hmm. to worry. You don't have the mindset that this is a black and white film. The only reason it is black and white is to showcase the time in history. And I'm sure that there's other reasons why he did that. And I would love to hear, I was researching YouTube videos, but I didn't hear um, Kenneth Branagh talk about that at all. So I'm like, want to do more of a deep dive, like, okay, why did he choose black and white? Was -hmm. it just to show kind of just the archaic mindsets of that time? That could be it. This sort of conflict. It's like, who cares if you're Catholic or Protestant or what did Jamie Dornan say? His character said, he's like, I don't care if she's a vegetarian, like antichrist, she's welcome. She's welcome in our house. Cause the Mm -hmm. girl that buddy had a crush on was Catholic. So he's like, I don't care what she is. And everybody in the theater laughed when she said vegetarian antichrist. It was so good. This is like a lot was a longstanding conflict, but as you're saying, your meat and potatoes, the same as my meat and potatoes, like okay so you're catholic we're protestant like who same climate we grow we harvest potatoes in the same environment exactly your livestock might be a larger quantity than ours but i got nothing i was watching a jimmy kimmel interview with jamie dornan Mm -hmm. and jimmy kimmel very openly said with the conflict that happened between the protestants and the catholics we identify both catholics and protestants as the same religion here in the u.s and he was like, yeah. oh yeah, now we do too, but we still have those older mindsets that see mm-hmm. it differently. Yeah. But we see it the same way you guys do. <laughs> and yeah. I just can't make sense of it other than yeah. just, you know, a weird white first world problem. <laughs> well, I mean, America, we can't, I mean, people come right. to America for religious freedom. So exactly. it's like, we're kind of built on that. So it's like, do what you want, believe what you want. Like, I don't care, do your thing. Like, there's no religious wars here. And mm-hmm. that's very much not an American thing. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. You know, kind of the point. So yeah, it's interesting. Okay. So this quote that pop said, he said too long, a sacrifice makes a stone heart. I was like, like the wisdom of that, like just the way, like those Irish proverbs, the way that they put things short and to the point, but it has so much weight and so much wisdom in it. And it's like, yes, too long. A sacrifice does make a stone heart. You know, it makes people bitter and immovable, but just, you know, and he's giving this wisdom to buddy. And I'm like, wow, like, I wish that I had had my, like, I never met my grandmother because she passed away when I was a baby, mm-hmm. or at least I don't remember meeting her. Cause I was like four months old, but you know, we didn't live close to my grandpa And I'm like, just to have these pearls of wisdom from that older generation, like we just don't have that because the culture was, you live on the same street, you grow up on the same street, you die on the same street. So all your family is there always. So you're getting this sort of generational investment into your family. I mean, what sold it for me was Jamie Jordan singing (laughs) ultimate spoon moment. I was just, oh, and he's a triple threat and he can sing to get back to the Jimmy Kimmel interview. Mm-hmm. I guess this is his third movie that he's openly singing it. What else is he singing? I have no I idea. Well, I'm going to go watch it immediately once right? I find out. Because I was pretty sure in this movie he was singing to me, uh, Everlasting Love. Or and me. now I can't, yeah, and I can't get it out of my head now. So thanks a lot, Jamie Dornan. Put him in West Side Story. Like, I'd sign up in a heartbeat. I mean, he just has that classic look, like, black and white does so well for him. Like, he's oh. just... 
gorgeous. And then him and Katrina Balfe together, like they're so glamorous. And Kenneth mm-hmm. Branagh has, you know, done interviews where he said, I just, my parents were so glamorous. I remember them being glamorous and in love and dancing. And he really captured that in the film. And I really like how it was contrasted like the heaviness of what was going on like mm-hmm. they're dancing in the street. And then when he's singing that song, that's at his father's memorial after the funeral that they're mm-hmm. celebrating and singing. And it was really, really beautiful. So overall we love this film, right? Yes. Yes. Totally I, loved it. Two thumbs yeah. up, two thumbs up. And it was so fun to see it in the movies together. And we expect to be hearing about this in Oscar buzz. Please. Okay. Yeah. Right. Come on people get with the program. Now it is time for the Fangirls Spotlight of the Week. The Fangirls Podcast is now on Etsy. Our shop has a variety of original, custom-made, fandom-inspired artwork in digital download form. We are offering 10% off our Etsy store with the code FANGIRL. The link to our store and all the info will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear all of our latest episodes. We want to answer your burning questions, so give us a follow on Instagram at the Fangirls Podcast and Twitter at the underscore fan underscore girls and like our community page on Facebook to join the conversation. See you next time. See you next time. Disclaimer. We here at the Fangirls Podcast are not affiliated with the following. Kenneth Branagh, the cast of Belfast, the city of Belfast, Ireland, and or Focus Features. Big fans. Yep, big, there we go. Just big fans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.